You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We are very excited you are here today. We have a lot of things happening at SciFair Christian Church this summer. Uh, We just had our students return safely from Colorado yesterday. They have some amazing stories to tell. So if you see Jeff or see any of the kids that went on the trip, make sure to ask them about it. And then since they gave the children's guy the mic, I'm I'm hijacking a lot of this for VBS. Uh, Our VBS starts a week from tomorrow here. We have a fantastic week planned. We have... Lots of kids already signed up, but if you have kids that you still want to sign up to attend VBS or you want to sign up to volunteer, you can do that through Wednesday. We're going to close registrations on Wednesday so that we can finalize all the groups and the crews and make sure everybody's in their jobs. Um, If you decide you want to volunteer or you've already decided you want to volunteer, we have some volunteer trainings next Sunday. We'll have one training right after church. We'll have another one next Sunday at 6.30 p.m. You can just pick one of those to go to and we'll kind of give you everything you need to know about working at VBS. And then I want to remind you that the last day of VBS is a community party. Even if you haven't been at VBS all week, even if you don't have any kids there, we would love to see you here on Friday the 27th. Uh, We will be grilling food. We will have inflatables. We rented a inflatable laser tag arena this year. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, It's a great time, great thing to invite your neighbors to, to invite friends to, and it's all free for you. So we hope to see you there for that. Uh, We also want to point out that even with all that excitement, we have a lot more going on. Our CFCC Explorers, which is our senior group, uh, they have a couple of trips coming up. You can find more information about that in your bulletin. And if you have been thinking about membership here at CFCC, maybe you've been coming for a while and you want to know more about what it means to be a member here or you're ready to take that next step into membership, Dale is forming a membership class now. There's information about it in the bulletin with the steps on how to sign up for that. And we hope that you do. So um, don't let the notes scare you. Um, you're, you really want me to have these because otherwise I'm liable to go off on a rabbit trail or two. Um, it's a really big rant, so. I, uh, over the last, I guess we had a, a, a four-week ser- a series a while back about uh, giving and about money in general. And um, so I'm going to give you, a, uh, share a personal perspective um, about how giving impacts my life. So at the age of 45, if you can imagine that, it was a long time ago, I found myself, I found myself back in the United States. Uh, here in Houston, where I'd grown up, I was broke. With the exception of my exceptional son, I had lost everything. My life was broken, and uh, I really was uh, confused. Um, I'd been to the top of the mountain, and now I was dependent on my retired parents to feed my son. It was a very humbling experience. God miraculously brought me new work later that year, and he brought me to Cypher Christian Church, where I experienced church in a way that I never had before in my life. Um, I grew up in the church as a kid, but um, outside of the uh, holiday visits uh, over the years after I was 17, when I left home, uh, I never really had been back. 
I spent a lot of time reflecting as, and as I examined my life, I knew that God had been incredibly gracious to me. He had always been there. He had given and given and given. He had literally saved my life and my liberty numerous times in that last two years in Venezuela. I, on the other hand, had taken and taken and taken and been an incredibly bad steward of everything he had given. As I was drawn into the fellowship and the work at CFCC, my life began to turn around. As I began to know him better, gratitude for God's love overwhelmed me. I was undone uh, by the mercy of Jesus, as the man in the wrote the song said. Um, one day, before any earnings had started coming in, I made a promise to God. I was so grateful for this new chance. I promised him that from the first dollar I earned, the first 10% would always go to him. It was actually an easy promise to make. I didn't have anything. Uh, and, and when you can't pay the bills anyway, what's 10%? Um, so, over the years, as the income and the expenses grew, I wavered, uh, but I wouldn't let myself relent. A promise is a promise. I wrote that check every week. Sometimes I had to hold it, and the one after that, and the one after that, for several weeks before the bank balance would cover it. Um, but I still wrote the checks. I can't really put into words the difference that it made in my life. I'm going to try. Uh, I came to realize over time that I could trust myself uh, to follow through with a promise to God. Um, and that I could keep this promise regardless of the circumstances. It gave me confidence. It gave me strength. Uh, and helped me to understand that I could be faithful to God as he has always been to me. Sometimes at year end, when I have seen that giving statement from the church and see the total amount for a flashing moment, I think about what I could have bought with all that money. But it's just a very brief moment and it passes quickly because I know in my heart that God has blessed me so richly and continues to bless me beyond measure. There is no value high enough to reflect what he's done in my life and in my heart. God doesn't need my money but I've discovered that I need to give it. It helps me keep my priorities straight. I still struggle with my faithfulness, my self-centeredness, my selfishness, my failures in general as a Christian walking this walk, but by holding fast to this one commitment, I have hope and confidence because if I can be faithful in this one thing, I can be faithful in anything. Would, would you... Would you, uh, would you join me in prayer? Dear Father God, thank you for the many blessings you shower us with each day, especially the ones we take for granted. Breath, life, loved ones. This place, the people in this room, the beauty of the natural world with which you have surrounded us and so, so much more. Help us to be aware of everything that you do for us so that we can respond with gratitude. You're an awesome God. Thank you for continually showing us through your Holy Spirit how to live better lives. Thank you for giving us the tools we need to achieve what's really important to us. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys here. Good to be back. What a great looking group of people today. Uh, it's been a, been a great 
great few weeks away, and it's fantastic to be back. It's fantastic to worship with you. His grace finds us, doesn't it? Your grace finds me. From creation to the cross, from the cross to all eternity, your grace finds me. I want to spend a few moments um, kind of letting you hear uh, about a journey that, that Gary Grooms, this is my friend Gary Grooms, uh, he served as, he and Susan and their family have served as full-time missionaries here at CFCC. He also continues to serve as a missionary um, and on a part-time basis here at CFCC. Some of you might not know it, but Gary was an educator and really still is an educator, but was an educator in the school system, public school system for 32 years, uh, science and physical education, secondary education, right? And then for two years in the international school in Bishkek. And that is when I got to know um, Gary. Gary is not going to have an opportunity to tell you this, but if you've been here and heard him speak, he said this before. Um, he's not extraordinary. When we think of missionaries, we kind of, we idolize them and put them up on a high, high pedestal. And, and we, and, and to tie them with our theme today, we see them as superheroes, yes. kind of untouchable, right? Bulletproof. Um, but Gary, you've reminded us that, that you don't have these extraordinary abilities that, that you're a normal person, just like the majority of people here. Probably below them. Below them. Uh, he's also a very uh, humble, humble man. Gary recently took a trip to Molotov. Uh, it's a Muslim village. Very little, really, access to people outside of that village. Um, Gary was one of two English speakers. Well, I, I was the only English-speaking person there. The lady who invited me teaches English in the village. That should tell you so something. Right? She's very limited on her English, so we use Google Translator. He doesn't uh, count her as an English speaker, no, and she's no. the English teacher. Uh, we have a problem, right? Uh, but Gary, if you would, you know, I, wanna, I want everyone to hear, you were there six weeks, and why did you go there in the first place? Well, now you're going to open a long story. I know we've got to keep it short. Um, I've been challenged by so many trips I've been on, books that I've read, and I always thought the 1040 windows where I really wanted to go. I believe that's where God is directing me, and I can only talk for myself, but I believe that's the focus is to go places where nobody wants to go or, or are reluctant to go, I guess, in, in many ways. Uh, so I took my family to Bishkek and got exposed to that culture, the country, uh, a Muslim uh, influence, obviously, throughout the region. And uh, so I, I started with the idea of this is where I wanted to be. We did like English outreach with the local students there uh, through Young Life. And we do that after school, so we'd go to a local school. Anyway, so we, we met with Muslim kids, and we reached out with Muslim through English. And then I went to Berlin when the Syrian refugee crisis took place, and I was invited to go do something at a local church. It was very interesting and very exciting to do. And so that led me to do other projects. So 
a lady contacted me through something. God is at work. God is definitely at work. All, all over the world. Yes. And whether it's the refugee crisis or Bishkek, the international school, or Molotov, the small village, small village. in the middle of nowhere. Right. We, right. I didn't even know where it was, uh, even though I lived in Bishkek and had friends that still live in Bishkek. They didn't know where it was. Uh, so they get there, is an ordeal. You know, you fly to, to Bishkek, it takes about 22 hours, and then you get on a little transport crammed in, and it takes another six and a half hours just to get to the village. So it's a, it's a long trip. This is not a turboprop. This is a not a turboprop. Transport is yeah. like Uber. Uber, yeah, it's yeah, like an okay. Uber. Uh, so you, you know, you're crammed in, uh, every seat's paid for, so obviously they're going to cram in as many people as possible. And so anyway, let's speed this up. So the lady invited me to come to her village to do English outreach, and I'm not an English teacher. I'm, apologies to all the English students, teachers out there. I'm horrible. Uh, you would do a much better job than I was, or I did. So uh, I was invited there, and I went to a local school that she taught in. And I lived in her house with her husband and her three children. And this is a very basic house. There's no furniture. Everything is very primitive. Except uh, for a very nice bathroom. Oh, yeah. A very nice outhouse in the back. Um, so there's, uh, you know, just the way it was. I only got sick twice. That was really good. I thought that was a blessing. Uh, so everything's on the floor. You eat on the floor. You, you, you basically do everything on the floor. I really did miss furniture a lot. Uh, but the students were remarkable. We had a great time. You know, the classes were kept in growing. I thought it was going to do maybe two or three classes. And then there was another village that shared the school. They wanted me to teach their, teach their students also. So it just kept growing. So I ended up, by the time I left, I was doing fourth through fifth, fourth, fifth grade, all the way through high school. Yeah, so it just kept growing. So just so you know, um, Gary has had no formal ESL training. I can point you to ESL training all through the city, and not just for public educators. You are able to go to ESL training, but I'm just talking about ESL training um, to minister here in the city. So Gary's not had that formal training, um, but again, God opened a door, and Gary walked through it. And I'm telling you, a few you know, it's kind of sad, but also kind of funny stories happen. Tell them just kind of the daily life. Uh, well, it, the daily life is very rough. Uh, for a female, it's extremely rough. You, if you're married to the youngest son, you're, you marry also, or you're married into the family of the mother-in-law, and she controls everything, and it's not a very cordial relationship. Uh, she, she's uh, very demanding of the wife, and uh, if she's not working 24-7, she's considered lazy, and she's pretty well beaded down verbally. So there was times that I would take my iPhone and put it on Christian music, and then I'd plug it into her ear as she's out there working. I'm Literally, it's, it's, it's seven days a week for her. So she teaches all day. Uh, she cooks for her three children. And when I say cook, it's just a, a hot plate and a microwave and everything else is right there. Uh, you have to go get your own water from the well. Uh, everything's brought in, you clean your dishes. So let me tell you, hygiene is overrated. Uh, forget all that stuff about cleaning your hands every day. That's just nonsense. I mean, just go with the flow. 
So uh, you, you see this lady working and then there are farmers and so her husband is hurt, he has a bad back and, and so they're tilling the fields and they're planting potatoes and, and I'm watching them plant. I said, there's no way I'm gonna watch them plant potatoes. So I grabbed a hoe and of course they don't want me to be out there but we're holing and planting potatoes. Uh, in a big field, and so we do that for days. Uh, anytime after school, we'd come and start planting potatoes. So we did that every day, and and they were just so grateful and amazed that I was actually out there doing it. Uh, so try to understand, I'm, I'm the first foreigner in this village. They never, never had a foreigner there ever. And I was invited to the mosque, uh, the Mecca Amman. And so anyway, so the kids were great. Uh, you know, we had a great time. We we did it through. Uh, uh, scripture sometimes with music. So like I'd take Hallelujah and I'd pass out the sheet music to them and then we'd read it and then I'd go to YouTube and play it for them and then we'd sing it and then I'd talk about the lyrics and then we'd do Chris Tomlin and we'd do it that way. Uh, so the kids loved singing and they loved playing games. We did a lot of stuff. Uh, we had a great time and uh, I shared my faith with them and what was kind of amazing about it is one of the girls in the classroom said, I cannot believe you Americans believe in a God. So they're convinced that. Her, her understanding of Americans is that we're pagans and that we don't even believe in God. Right, right. Because they were non-believers. And her mother-in-law, even though she knew I was a good man, uh, she, she was convinced there's no way I believed in God. So, uh, you know, I helped out with whatever I could with the village and the kids were great. One, one of the students invited me to go fishing and the one day it was so nice and warm. And the day we went fishing, it was just a cold, dreary, wet day. And I kept thinking, surely this kid's not gonna show up and he shows up on his horse. So uh, I hop on the horse and uh, he walks and I ride. Uh, they're so sweet, so gracious. Uh, they took care of me every step of the way. So we go to this canal. It takes, I mean, we probably rode, I rode for probably four hours to get to this canal. And I'm thinking it's going to be like big trout, you know, something big, stream. And I kept throwing these little minnows back in the water when I'd catch them. I go, this can't be right. So I throw it back in the water and it kept saying, no, 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 no. And so they were collecting these little minnows. And I'm, you know, this be like sardines. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I kept thinking, where's the fish? And, and they're going, that's the fish. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's what we caught, these little sardines about this big. And, uh, but anyway, they were so sweet. And then one group took me up to the mountains. Uh, and uh, we, we got our way up to the top of the mountain. And, and they, they served me a picnic. They laid out tablecloth, real dishes. Uh, and, and my first salad, I hadn't had a salad in weeks, and they had me a salad at the top of this mountain. It's crazy. The, crazy. The, the trip, and there's so much more details that we can't go into, but Gary, in the midst of all of this, um, you were burdened, overwhelmed, um, pretty heavy, um, as you thought about one thing in particular, and what was that? Well, you know, you're, you're kind of like, I was kind of like the white elephant in the room. You know, wherever I went in the school especially, they, you know, they wanted pictures. We probably took a hundred pictures. And, and they wanted to shake my hand. So, and then you look at these kids and you, you think in terms of, why not me? Why wasn't I born in this village without the exposure to 
to Christ or, or you know anything because you know they don't have access to the Bible obviously and they're they're being indoctrinated by the Amman. And I met him. He was a nice guy, and, and, and you know, and all of that is, is is pleasant and and those kind of things. But then I think about Revelation, and we, we know the end is coming. And, and I wonder sometimes if we get so complacent and set in our own ways that we don't think about all these villages. So this is a, one village of hundreds that nobody goes to. And I'm thinking, you know, where are we in this? And and do we have enough compassion in our hearts to think? It's going to end soon, and someday it's over. And I think about these little kids, and if I had pictures, I could show them to you. They're just like your kids anywhere. How can you say they don't deserve a shot? Why, why aren't we out there more? You know, my, my exposure is a little different than a lot of people, I know, and, and I do these things not because it's extreme or... And people are always concerned about where I go, but God is with me all the way. This is a God thing. I mean, this would have never happened if God was not part of this. And before we end this, I've got to say thank you so much for your, your support and your prayers. You're with me every step of the way. If, if you weren't there, it would not work. There's just no way this comes together, I promise you. Uh, the people in Bishkek were very concerned about me traveling that far, not knowing anybody. I mean, it was, it was like a, and everything just worked out. It was like clockwork. So those of you who feel like you're rushed and everything's speeding faster than this train and a speeding bullet, and you want to lay back, come to this village. I swear to you, <laughs> Sunday afternoon, you're going to look at your clock and you're going to go, Man, it's only 2 o'clock. I thought it'd be 4 o'clock by now. Uh, no internet service. Uh, kind of give you an idea. When we ran out of chalk in, in the schoolroom, we had to go across the street to buy our own chalk. She doesn't get paper. I had to buy the paper. She makes $50 a, a month. And she shares that obviously with mm. her family. And, you know, we, we start. And her mother-in-law. The mother-in-law gives her access. She wants to go buy some clothes. She has to go through her mother-in-law. And her mother-in-law says, no, that means no. And that I gave them money. They didn't want to accept my money. They felt ashamed that I'd actually give them money for my food. And, I, you know, I had to push it on them. and said, please accept my donation uh, for feeding me and taking care of me. So anyway, uh, and Anura, the lady, if we want to pray, her name is Anura. Uh, she is a Christian, by the way. Uh, she was a Muslim growing up. And I'll give you a quick story. When she became a Christian, her mom found out, and she almost killed her. And she has three brothers that were part of trying to beat her to death. And the, the story ends on a sweet note. They're all Christians now, living in Bishkek. So, living in Bishkek. Living in Bishkek. Let's pray for her. Let's pray for her now, Gary. Um, let's pray. Father, I lift up Anura to you. Uh, Father, I lift up um, this village, Molotov, to you. Father, we know that seeds of the gospel were planted over the course of that six-week period. Uh, Father, in the lives of the students, um, those who witnessed Gary's... Um, willingness to serve, his desire to love, his desire to teach, his, his compassion. Uh, Father, we just pray that the seeds of the gospel might take root and might grow and might bear fruit. 
Uh, Father, we know that Anura's uh, brothers and, and, and mother have come to Christ. And Father, we know um, that uh, people in the village of Molotov can come to know Jesus. Father, we pray that you would speak to them through um, your word, through visions, through um, dreams, however you see fit. Um, to show those with very little or no access to the gospel that you are the one true God and that Jesus Christ is your son and you've sent him to be our savior. Father, I pray for your continued leadership and provision in Gary and Susan's life. Guard them, protect them as they continue to do your work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can I say one more thing? No. No. As long as it's short. short. It's going to be very short. They cut you off because Shane's in control. Come on, Shane. Give me about one minute. All right. So uh, Rahat is the husband. He's a very devoted Muslim. He's never met a Christian before. And try to imagine you have this strange man coming to your house with three small children, and he's... Yeah, he kind of looked at me up and down when I got off the little transport thing and, and entered to his house. And he was, I'm sure he was like thinking, who is this guy coming into my house? Anyway, uh, he had to go to Bishkek for a little bit after a couple of weeks of living with him and getting to know him, him, him getting to know me. He, he left the house and he left me in charge with his kids and his wife. And he said, I trust you. I know you. I know you're a good man. This would have never happened. You would have never seen this from a Christian if, if people like us don't go. Yes, so they don't have an exa- they, they don't, don't have, have anything to compare right. what they believe to if they've never encountered another believer. So from the moment that I got there to the moment I left, it changed from night to day, and, and we're, we were like this when I left. That's awesome, Gary. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I know, I really do, I I know this because I know you and I know me and I know how we think. You will not most likely be able to get it into your head that Gary is just like you. He's just like you. He's not different than you. You know, he's not a superhero. He's simply a person who wants God to use him, um, the gifts that God's given him, the opportunities God's given him. Um, Gary's retired as a teacher. Uh, Any one of us in this room in retirement could engage in work just like this, if not sooner, if not sooner. Uh, It's so good, as I said, um, to be back Uh, Today we begin a series, Unlikely Heroes, Unlikely Heroes. Now, several of you in this room are are probably really into, I'm going to call it the superhero movement, um, all the movies that have been coming out. I I just want to list some that have come out, some that are coming out. I've seen a few of these, Black Panther, 
Avengers Affinity War, that is a wacko movie. That's all I got to say. I'm not going to ruin it, ruin it for you, but um, put it this way. Someone has told me to fully understand that movie, you have to watch 18 other movies. <laughs> what? I mean, give me a break. Talking about retirement. Deadpool 2, Incredibles 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, in this fall, Venom is being released. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse by Sony. It's animated Spider-Man. It's going to be released. Aquaman is supposed to be released later this year. Uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix is going to be released in 2019. And New Mutants is also going to be released in 2019. Is that not crazy? I mean, you know, maybe one a year or one every few years, superhero movies used to be released, but it seems like every week a new superhero movie is coming out. You know, if you and I are not careful, we see faithful, committed, fruitful followers of Christ like we see superheroes. And the truth of the matter is, in the superhero world, Captain America would be one. You have everyday, sometimes frail, weak individuals. Unlikely heroes that are used to battle injustice, that are used, that use their talents to help those who cannot defend themselves, right? They're heroes, all right, but very unlikely. I believe I'm sitting in the midst of a room of unlikely heroes. The question is, are you willing to be used by God in an incredible way, in an unusual way, just like you are? You don't need to be exposed to toxic chemicals or uh, lightning hit the lab you're working in, right? You just need to say, here I am. God, I hear you. I see the need. I know you've put me here for a purpose. That's really Gary's approach, is it not? And I want to be your man, your woman at this time in this place because I believe you have a purpose for my life. See, the truth is all of us have different life circumstances. All of us make different choices, both good and bad in life. But God wants to use both our circumstances and our choices for his glory and for his purpose. So let's talk about circumstances for a moment. There are circumstances in life beyond our control. Do we all agree? So let's, let's just play a little game. 
And I'm not talking about people who have a victim mentality. No, no, no. There are legitimate circumstances in life beyond your control. Let's name a few. Just pop them off really quick. Job loss. Can and cannot be, but... What? Hurricane. Hurricane. Oh, cataclysmic events. That's one of them. Illness beyond your control for the most part. Someone else. Guys, y'all aren't touching the surface. Death. Death. How about you? Did you choose your mom and dad? Anybody in this room? I, I, I don't think so. Your birth. What else? Oh, this is going to be fun, guys, because I got a list of like 20 things up here. Let me just go to my list because Gary talked too long and I need to move forward. (laughs) Just joking, Gary. I can see you over there. Birth, birth order, parents, siblings, family, education. What I mean is the community you were born in. You didn't. You, you can choose the school you go to, but most likely you went to the school in your neighborhood. You didn't choose most likely your first grade teacher. Miss Robinson made an impact in my life. And I know her name to this day. You know that song, whoa, Mrs. Robinson. It was going on at the same time I had Miss Robinson. So I've been trying to get on stage and Kevin will not let me. Economic advantage, race, citizenship, culture, included in culture, norms, worldview, religious roots, health, religion, heartache, injustice. You don't choose injustice. You don't choose to be robbed. You don't choose for a family member to be murdered or raped. Are those life circumstances? I think that's enough. More than you thought, maybe. I'm not trying to be comical. I just want you to see whether you are Batman, and if you know the story, a lot going on there that he didn't choose but impacted his life. Millionaire son, parents murdered, right? whether you're Batman or Moses. And that's who we're looking at today. There are circumstances in life beyond our control. And just remember, God works in the circumstances. If you have a Bible, turn to Exodus. Exodus, we're not gonna cover the whole life of Moses, that's impossible. We're going to cover the early, I say the early seasons. We're going to walk with Moses until he's uh, right at, well, past 80 years old, okay? Exodus 1, 8 and 10. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Remember, Joseph was a man of influence. In fact, Joseph um, saved the Egypt because of a famine that was going on. God gave him a vision. 
And he said to his people, the new Pharaoh, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape, escape from the land. That's the setting of Moses' life. He's not among a people of favor. He's among uh, a people who are looked at with suspicion. You know, when you look at people with suspicion, I'll tell you what's birthed in that suspicion, prejudice. Prejudice. You are suspicious of someone and then you're prejudice of someone. And I'll tell you, prejudice gives birth to something very terrible in this story. Prejudice gave birth to genocide. Let's look at another verse. Verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile. Every male child, throw the children into the Nile but you shall let every daughter live. So the story goes that Moses' mother gave birth to a boy and uh, she decided that she was going to hide this boy. She placed him in a basket with pitch on the basket and then she placed the basket with the baby in it in the reeds in the edge of the Nile. And one day, Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe in the edge of the Nile, and she hears this baby crying, and she looks down on this baby, and she has pity on him. Her sister says, would you like for me to get one of the Hebrew women to be a a mid, not a midwife, a nursemaid to this baby? She said, yes. So Moses' mother became his nursemaid. And up until the point when Moses was a little older, Exodus 2, verse 10, she raised her biological child. We don't know the age. Verse 10, when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. He was adopted. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Crazy story, is it not? What's the point? Make no doubt about it, Moses was an unlikely hero. We know he becomes a hero, but he's an unlikely hero. Look at the circumstances surrounding his birth. 
Look at the way his people were viewed, his own people with suspicion, with prejudice, and genocide was a result. And yet his life was spared. And not only was his life spared, he became royalty. He became the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh, no less. He was a person of influence. Not only are there circumstances in life beyond our control, the choices we make in life, they're different than the circumstances of life. The choices in our life are within our control. Circumstances, many, many, many outside our control. Choices, we can blame others for the choices we make, but they're within our control. The Bible says, and it's an interesting passage in the book of Acts. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brother. So somehow Moses knew his culture and knew that the Hebrew slaves were his brothers. Just to be clear. The children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. You see, what Moses does here is he makes a choice to act and to act now. He takes matters into his own hands and guys, quite honestly, he makes a mess of things. He makes a big mess of things. Now God's going to work in the circumstances of Moses' lives and in his choices, both good and bad. But there's a unique next verse in the book of Exodus, Exodus 2 verse 12 The Bible says he, Moses, looked this way and that. He sees the Egyptian abusing the Hebrew slave. He looks this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Little piece of advice here. Mike, remember this, okay? Mike and I have had some time together this week, so I pick on you if you have lunch with me during the week. If you're ever doing something that, that you have to look around and see who's watching, you might should not do it. Pretty good advice, right? If you're ever doing something, you got, you got to look around. That's what Moses is doing. Okay, it, it, does anyone see me? So he kills the Egyptian and he digs a grave and buries him. And you might know the story later. Some Hebrews are arguing among themselves and Moses tries to go in and be their mediator. I mean, Moses just wants to help. He's always getting involved in stuff, right? 
And they say, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And he says, oh my word. The word must be out. And so his choice resulted in him being a fugitive and the man who once was the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh now is running as a fugitive from justice. He's a murderer. I I wouldn't say he was a warrior. He's looking this way, looking that, and burying the evidence, right? If you and I are not careful, we'll first blame the circumstances in our life and we will take ourselves out of any opportunity of being an unlikely hero And if that doesn't keep us from being an unlikely hero, then we will just say, hey, if you knew what I had done in the past, you would not say I could be an unlikely hero. No, I'm telling you, God wants to use you to make a difference for his kingdom. I promise you. By the way, this isn't the only mistake, bad decision disaster in Moses' life. He makes many bad decisions. He doesn't even get to go into the promised land because of a bad decision, right? Lots of bad decisions. But you know what? God continued to use him for his purpose and for his glory. Exodus 2, 21 in 22. He's a fugitive. I guarantee he's dealing with guilt. I guarantee he's a broken man. Guys, he's gone from this to that. He's gone from Pharaoh's palace to the wilderness running for his life. He gets to a well and At the well, there are seven sisters there, but these shepherds are running the sisters off from the well. They can't even take care of the herd. And Moses defends them. And he not only defends them, he waters their sheep. A man wouldn't do that. They'd water their own sheep. Kind of like where Gary was. The women work harder than the men. They go back and tell their father what this man had done. And in Exodus 2.21, says, and Moses was content to dwell with the man and he, the man, gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. Let's move forward and pick up the story. Moses was 40 when he slew the Egyptian and went into the wilderness. He's 80 when the next event occurs. 
He tended his father-in-law's sheep for around 40 years. They're still his father-in-law's sheep at age 80. I love my father-in-law, but you know, I don't want to be identified by my father-in-law my whole life, right? You with me? That didn't get any laughs. Maybe <laughs> you don't get it, but I thought it was funny. Anyway. <clears throat> Exodus 2, 23 and 24. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. The one who was after Moses, the one who had committed genocide. And the people of Israel, it doesn't get better, groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Chapter three, verse one. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law. You just thought I was joking, didn't you? Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Why? Why 40 years in the wilderness? Why do you find yourself in a mess right now? Why, why are you frustrated by maybe the last decade of your life? Why have I been frustrated by seasons? I don't mean days, I don't mean weeks, I don't mean months, I mean significant seasons in my life that just felt like a desert place, dry, hard to hear God. Why? We might not like it, but difficult times, dealing with the consequences of our bad decisions, coming to grips with the circumstances of our lives, often, often, they're the best prep school for what God has in store for us. Where did, God, where did God call Moses to lead the people of Israel when he led them out of bondage? Anyone want to tell me? The wilderness. Moses wasn't real prepared for wilderness living prior to these 40 years in the wilderness. You know, you can say to yourself, I, I just don't get it, I'm sick of this. You can get impatient. I'm sick of this. This does not make, this is not what I thought was going to happen. He was trained in hieroglyphics, science, literature, military tactics. I guarantee he was brilliant in all of those because he was the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh. And yet here he, he is tending his father-in-law's sheep in the middle of nowhere. 
So you might think you're in the middle of nowhere. I promise God knows right where you are and he longs to use you. He longs for you to be an unlikely hero just like Moses. Last principle. God longs to redeem our circumstances and our choices for his purpose and his glory. I don't want to show the quote, but F.B. Meyer, he, he talked about um, prep school and, and he talks about us thinking we know a better way and so we take a shortcut. He says, be careful about taking shortcuts because you end up finding out they're a cul-de-sac. You'll end up right back in prep school if you try to rush things. God has a plan. It's a big plan. If you focus only on that terrible circumstance in your life, only on that huge mistake you made, you'll miss God's big plan. Moses almost missed it. But look what God did. Exodus 3, 4 through 6, when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, Moses sees a burning bush in the desert that's not consumed. We saw a lot of fires while we were in Colorado. I mean, we're within miles of them. It's so dry. The, the forest are a tinderbox. That's what a bush would be in the wilderness, in the desert. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. God said that. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look at God. God then tells Moses that he's going to use him to lead the people of Israel out of their bondage. There's a passage in the book of Hebrews. He, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It takes faith to look back and maybe to see a mess and to see difficult circumstances and maybe see both. It takes faith to trust God and step out and be used by him. It takes faith to do that in your neighborhood. It takes faith to do that in your workplace. It takes faith to do that in your church. Step out and to be used by God. You can live in fear. You really have a choice. 
But living in fear is a bad choice to make. Moses went through a list of excuses one after another and God answered his excuses. Bottom line, we're all inadequate unless we're operating in faith, unless we're depending on God. You know, there's a verse that ties directly in with communion. I'm going to ask our servers to come forward at this time to serve communion. The 10th plague was a plague involving blood. It is directly connected to communion. If you would, Christy, put that verse on the screen. By faith. Remember, by faith, he didn't worry about the Pharaoh. By faith, he's leading the people out. By faith, he kept the Passover, the first Passover, and sprinkled the blood. They were to sprinkle blood. It was a terrible plague. All of the firstborn sons in Egypt were to be killed. And God told Moses, if you will apply the blood from the sacrificial lamb to the doorpost, we'd say door facing of your door, your children will be spared. So that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. You see, this meal is about freedom. Do you understand that? It's about freedom. That last plague resulted in freedom. The Pharaoh relented. He released the people of Israel. They crossed the sea, the Red Sea. All all their problems were not solved but they were free. This meal that we take part in, this table of grace that we come to, it's for followers of Jesus who know the freedom that's found in Christ. I wanna pray with you right now and just ask that that God would open your eyes to his big picture for your life. That he might remind you of his grace that meets us in our life circumstances and meets us in our life choices. We're set free. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the blood that has been spilled that we might have life, that we might be free, that we might live lives of purpose, not marked by guilt, not marked by resignation, not marked by hopelessness, but lives marked by grace and purpose and freedom.
that we might reconcile others to you just as we've been reconciled to you through Jesus Christ, the perfect spotless lamb of God who shed his blood that we might have life. Father, this bread, unleavened bread, reminds us of a time when the people of Israel were hurrying to leave their bondage. Not even time to put yeast in the loaf. Father, I pray that as we eat this bread and drink this cup, that we might not rush, that we might not hurry, but that we might reflect on the price that you paid, that we might have life. Father, I know there are people in this room who are yet to step across the line of faith. Father, I pray that they might begin to reflect. Reflect on the fact that all of the circumstances in their life, they don't catch you by surprise. All of their choices, you've not turned your back on them. You meet us just like you met Moses in the course of everyday life. We thank you for that. We worship you as we take part in this table of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't you come. Our prayer partners will be up here also be in the back. For me, it's pretty incredible how that lamb, that first Passover meal foreshadowed the coming of Christ. God saw his people. He felt their pain. He heard their cry. He Long to bring them a deliverer and to give them freedom. He longs for that in your life and my life. He doesn't want us to live shackled up. He doesn't want our lives restricted. I, I encourage you today. Choose God's grace. Choose to move beyond guilt. Choose to leave blame behind. Say, Father, the circumstances are what they are. That's not a fatalist statement. That's a statement simply saying, Father, I know you're in control. You're in control right now. I just want to acknowledge that to you and I'm trusting you I'm going to depend on you to help me to follow you to the best of my ability the rest of my life. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've just settled. I encourage you to quit settling. Maybe you're confused about this whole follower of Jesus, what it means to become a Christian, this whole discussion. Our prayer 
partners would love to visit with you more about that. I guarantee you this, God knows your name, he knows everything about you, and he welcomes you with open arms today. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. God wants us to be fruitful as his children so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. What are you asking God for in your life right now? He longs to hear your voice. Do you need him? Gary talked about just going on in life, comfortable as can be, content as can be, lack of concern. Maybe your prayer needs to be, Father, break my heart for those around me who have broken lives. Or maybe your prayer might be, Father, I trust you that you love me and you're going to meet me in my brokenness. Whatever your prayer might be, would you speak your prayer to him where you are or with a prayer partner today? Freedom, freedom is found in Christ. Mike and Tina uh, have been here at SciFair for 10 years, 12, 12 years, 12 years, and uh, have established friendships with many of you, and, and I'm so privileged to have become their friends, our friend, and uh, just got to know them, you know, mission trip with them, had lots of lunches with them, and, and they're just a blessing. Um, encouragers in the lives of others. God has opened up a door for them and um, they're moving to Round Rock. And um, I know you would want to know this and I wanted to just pray for them because they live their life on mission just as we talk about each Sunday. And I want to pray for them as we send them out as missionaries. Uh, Tina is linking up with a new hospice organization. She's returning to her work as an RN with hospice, uh, very um, gifted in that area. And as you can imagine, that is a very challenging uh, role to fill. Uh, one of the things, I've not been on one of these trips with them, but they've been on Living Water uh, trip before, correct? Both of you? And um, I know Tina will work, outwork any man, so I, I know she was working hard on that trip. Uh, we have a living water team that will be leaving this next weekend. I'm going to ask them to come forward at this time as well. If you guys would come forward. We have a uh, very, very special opportunity uh, with this trip. And um, this well is being dedicated uh, in memory of Larry Metcalf. Isn't that special? <laughs> the Indian community a, a, a year ago or so made a, a gift 
and they wanted this gift in particular to go um, to sponsor this well um, that's going to be dug. In addition to, to Bob and Ramon and Molly, Amy Blazer and one of her daughters are coming. Sabrina. Californian going. Sabrina is going. Who else, Bob? Mike and Renee Knight. Mike and Renee Knight are coming back. So incredible team. As we send out this team and as we send out this couple. Um, hey, Sabrina, I didn't see you over there. You, you tricked me. Um, but as we send out this couple and this team, let's lift them up in prayer today. Father, I just thank you so much for your grace for your goodness. Father, that you call us into relationship with yourself. Father, that you call us on mission. Father, we never totally understand why you might call us. Us. We're, we're frail people. We're people in need ourselves. We're people with our own challenges who make our own mistakes. Father, you use us as ministers of reconciliation. You use us to plant seeds of the gospel around the world. You use us to bring hope where there is no hope. Father, I pray for Mike and Tina and pray your blessing on them in this new chapter in their life. Father, I pray for this team as they go. May you protect them. May you bless them. May you open up doors of opportunity. May the well be a success and may many see the light, the love, the gospel in action as this team goes to be your hands and feet. Father, we love you. We thank you for this incredible day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we go, there's one other thing that um, we just felt there's a, a need to make this announcement. Chuck Smith uh, passed away this past week. The memorial, many of you know Chuck. Chuck and Karen were longtime members here, very faithful here. The service is here, memorial service, this Wednesday at 1 o'clock. We just wanted to make sure um, all of you that needed that information would have it before you left here today. Pray for Karen, pray for Cammie, their granddaughter, pray for the family. Uh, they're in, in need of our prayers today. Uh, may God bless you. May he use you as a hero in the life of someone in need this week. Go in peace.